Yeah. I'll react if I had to. Put some things in the past to and don't let them distract you, but react if you have to. Yeah. I'll react if I had to. Put some things in the past to and don't let them distract you, but react if you have to. Yeah. React if you have to. Yeah. Don't know the time, but just wait it on. Yeah. One of a kind. Yeah. What's on your mind? Yeah. We're hard to find, yeah. Beautiful mind, yeah. Still in my prime, yeah. Just know that I'm here. Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Pondoffs and the Animus, episode 16, um, I think. 16. And yeah. And Jeff, I think it's Saturday that we're recording this, right? I don't it's, know. I think it is. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm losing track. All right. Somebody said it was March 97th. We'll go with that. <laughs> Today's special, man. We have uh, the guest of guests um, that joined us, and and I've been wanting to not have him yet. Actually, I've been wanting to like wait for a special day, or, or especially do it in person. But um, often we say there's no better time than now, and considering the circumstances, um, and. I believe that we're entering the beginning of, of Holy Week. I'll let him correct me if I'm wrong, which he often does. Uh, I'd like to welcome the lead pastor uh, at the, from the gathering in St. Louis, my pastor, Jeff's pastor, Jeff's boss, and kind of my boss because he's in contact with my mother often uh, on my behavioral issues, uh, Matt Miofsky. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Chris, for having me on. I'm really... it's good to be here i listen you know how much i appreciate you and love you uh before you were sober and now after you're sober even more and so for me to be on here is great thanks for having me on well i i appreciate that and i know and uh and ditto man it's uh it's it's a crazy time where we're living in where we're doing churches online and um not being able to do this in person, and um, we've been kind of tackling that issue from the mental health aspect and the addiction and recovery aspect. And I know it's a you've had to pivot your whole, you yeah, know, church model. Hey, wait! Before we talk about that, can I ask you something? Uh, I'm gonna I turn it around. So I, I listen to your podcast. I love it, by the way. I can see why more and more people are listening to it, and they should. And I've noticed, you know, you curse a lot on here, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I've never uh. I, I've never really said anything about it. I've never told you to not be yourself, right? I mean, we can attest to that. And, and you and I grew up around a lot of the same elements, so I always love that about you. But I have a favor to ask today. Just uh, don't pretend to, like, don't never curse, because then people will think you're not being yourself. Okay. So, but I'm mean, curse thoughtfully oh. today, <laughs> and, not, and not gratuitously. Uh. So, you know, like, be thoughtful about it. Make them count when you want them, you know, when you want to make a difference, but don't just be gratuitous about it. And that might go for the rest of the podcast too. Just, you know, ah. just asking you as your pastor. Oh man. Uh, while I'm on here, just be thoughtful about the cursing. Okay. You, you keep looking out your window. Is my mother out there telling you to <laughs> say this stuff? Tell me. It's lovely out there. No, that's it. No, you know, I, you know, I've never, let me have kidding. Well, you can be yourself around. You know, you can be yourself around me, right? Yeah, I, I know. I, I bet. I'm sure you have a bunch of text messages from Vicky Hinkle and my mother telling. No, my I. You know, this has always been our relationship. I say, be who you are, and continue to be more thoughtful about who you are. So, do yeah, I, I remember that. I, I'll I'll take that in mind. Thanks. I just remember, like. Last year, around this time, you put me on stage at, at Easter Sunday in front of three thousand people. Well, now you're on my show. All right, this is <laughs> my it's my turn. All right, I'll turn it back over to you. Love you know, speak. I, I just on that note, I I do often hear in my household from my wife and my and next door my mother that you know what would what would Matt 
do in this situation. I get that quite often. I get, <laughs> um, I remember when I went to the University of Illinois, and uh, I, probably two years ago, they they were really hitting the uh, taking the chief away. I mean, the chief was gone, but you know, really like going towards the you know the what is it called mascotting of the American Indian and they took away our fight song and that was my final straw and I was huffing and puffing and pounding my chest and before I went on a on a Facebook tirade because I was really intentional about not doing that I text Matt and and you and you talked me off the ledge Matt you said I I understand some things can make you angry but really what are you going to do about it nothing and what's the point of being angry about something that you can't <laughs> so he really I'm telling you he's my he's my no guy everybody needs a no guy I, I really <laughs> firmly believe that athletes are probably the first one to come to mind like that need a no guy on social media right I, I strongly believe in that so yeah I, I I wanted to share that's one story of many where where Matt has 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 talked me off a ledge but <laughs> Matt, so today I, I really want to talk about a couple things. Um, I have an audience uh, that's, I don't mean to sound gloating. No, I mean, everybody has an audience, whether it's even this one person that listens to this. So we have a couple. Um, and they don't go to the, most of them don't, there are some listeners from, from the gathering, but not, I would say the majority of the audience that I'm speaking to or trying to help are, not necessarily St. Louis. They might be on the Illinois side of the river um, or even people. I know we have some colleagues in Florida that are listening and, and spreading the message. Um, definitely have a good friend in New Jersey uh, who's told people to listen to the podcast uh, in the recovery world. But most of the people I'm talking to have a, uh, a lot of a lot of myths about church and what church is and who Jesus is and, and the power in that. And, um, Today, I would like to talk about those direct to them. And uh, yeah, I know t- this is Holy Week, right? It is. Yeah, tomorrow oh. begins officially Holy Week with Palm Sunday. Okay, see, I got that one right. Yeah, you did. If you're taking notes. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I want to talk about one thing that I remember first learning when I, when I went to the gathering is the uh, we have the five core values and the. One of them I, I do want to stress, I want to talk about once, if, if you can name them, is giving's a part of that. And one of the biggest problems I have, like when and people, it's more of a satire joke. They're like, oh, how, how much money are they getting you for? You know, they kind of like use it as a joke. Yeah. But uh, uh, and, and then an excuse to not trust a church. Um, and as much as I tell them that's bullshit, that they are having that, that, myth that yes we do a giving's a big practice at the gathering right and and what we do what people do with the money it's for some reason hard for people to connect the dots they think they're just giving money and that um my cousin from staten island put it brilliantly he goes i really like that pastor guy that uh that leads your church because he's not driving around in a rolls royce (laughs) (laughs) yeah i haven't gotten my rolls royce yet no i have a (laughs) <laughs> you can attest, you can attest, Chris, that I have a pretty modest vehicle. I would say it's the exact opposite of a Rolls Royce. <laughs> so, so can you? <clears throat> I want to hear a little bit before we kind of talk about. <clears throat> excuse me, my my story, and it's not a self promotion, but it's the one I know, and and how powerful it was, um, how my life was transformed because of friends and pastor like you and and jesus and all that stuff i I, can you get into a little bit on how your your background um you know and use as much time as you want to describe it but going from being a football player to answering what we've said on this show is kind of a calling sure well you know i grew up i because i'm on your show i always i gotta tell people i like the mug uh i grew up gathering my life I grew up half my life in a little steel town called Granite City, Illinois, which people, some of your listeners will know exactly where that is. Um, it was already They're judging little, you. 
Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you know, that's where my family's from. It was getting pretty rough by the time I was a kid, which I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, you know, uh, you know what it's like. And I grew up there. And then when I was nine, we moved out into the country and I went to high school at Washington in Washington, Missouri. So I usually say I'm from there. So I had kind of, you know, I mean, I grew up around uh, middle class factory folk in Granite City. My dad worked at the steel mill, got transferred to a steel mill out in the middle of Missouri. And then I grew up in a rural area, basically. And so um, you know, my my whole high school was focused on football and girls and hanging out with my friends. Not that different from a lot of people. I went to college and I played football. Um, I went to Washington University in St. Louis. I was fortunate to be able to go there. Studied math. So religion right. really wasn't on the radar screen. Um, but, you know, I, there was a couple things that I'll name. I mean, one is I started leading a Bible study, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, when I was in college. And I didn't, I was, at the time, I kind of hid my faith. I mean, faith was meaningful to me, mostly because I, I was intrigued by, I, I figured there had to be something more to life than just what we see. And that idea always uh, resonated with me. And the more that I explored uh, God, the more that began to make uh, sense, not just make sense to me, but make sense out of a lot of what I saw. And so <clears throat> what happened is guys on the football team, when I was leading this Bible study, started talking to me about like what they were going through. And this was huge because not to be stereotyping, but you know, guys on the football team typically didn't sit around and share with each other. Right. It's just not the way we related, you know, right, right. This is not what we did. And so when, when one of them began to do that, I realized that underneath, like if you could peel back the curtain, so to speak, in all of our lives, even these like, you know, sort of tough uh, football guys, they had a lot of, uh, I'll curse along with you, they had a lot of shit going on in their life. And, uh, and they were trying to wrestle with that largely all by themselves and really without any outside wisdom. And it, it led them down a lot of wrong tracks because they, they didn't know where else to turn. And so I, I began to talk to some guys and invite them to come to this study because I really thought that um, what Jesus had to say was really relevant to the kind of stuff that we're going through. And basically, I mean, the story of why I went into ministry was I didn't really want any of the jobs. I mean, I wasn't ready to work <laughs> yet. I didn't really want to go work on in some investment company or computer programming or all the things that people wanted to hire math majors for. And I began to see that there's a lot of people in the world that have been turned off by church. And by the way, I'd say rightly so. The church has mm -hmm. done uh, a pretty bad job oftentimes at uh, removing all the barriers and just connecting people to what I think is most important about what we have, which is, you know, Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus has to say about the lives that we're trying to live. <clears throat> And instead, we've erected all sorts of barriers and hoops and to jump through, and we've collected a lot of baggage. And so people mm -hmm. rightly, I think, are skeptical of church. I don't actually argue with that. But I, I began to sense that um, most people, it wasn't just football players, you know, if you could peel back the curtain on the surface, they might look like they're fine, and they might be holding it together. They might even be successful in some outward way with money or friends or whatever. But if you could peel back the curtain, so many people were struggling with stuff inside. And I think that the problem is we struggle with that stuff all by ourselves, you know, all by ourselves and without any outside wisdom. And it leads us down some wrong roads. And I think, you know, addiction, as you talk so often, is one way in which we try to deal with, I think, all that crap that's going on under the surface and we don't know what to do with it. So some people maybe turn to sex or women or money or overworking or some turn into drugs, alcohol, gambling. <clears throat> I mean, it's all sorts of things, but it, I think all those are symptoms of spiritual wrestling that we don't know what to do with underneath the surface. Sure. You know, it's funny that, <clears throat> I, and I'm thinking of one friend in particular um, who is so, it, it's got a, and, and it, it, I would call him maybe a, he's a genius, he's a smart guy and mathematician like if the numbers if he can't see that two plus two equals four then he has a he'll, he'll has trouble believing in it and and to, 
and I think that's his that's his problem with being a being a believer or a um, a church guy or a, just a just buying into Jesus because he's a and and you're a you're a, you are a brilliant mathematician. I mean, we've talked about it. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. Uh, remember that come tithing time that okay. complimented you, and I'm drinking out of the gathering coffee mug. Um, but uh, I am a little behind on my tithing, aren't I? <laughs> I got it. Got it. The, the promotional placement doesn't replace tithing. That's in oh. addition to tithing. <laughs> oh. All right, we'll get to that. Um, this isn't Jeff. a multiple choice spirituality. <laughs> hey, Jeff, if this starts getting too too hot on my side, we're going to need you to hit the dump button on Matt. Okay? Yeah, Cause, right. <laughs> hey, um, but no, you're 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 a math guy. You got to have an equation. It's got to equal something, and you got to see it and prove it. Right in theories, like. And then also to be, to be to be transformed, if you will, by by Jesus. That is, um, there's so many people that have a that that only think of it one way. Think of life as a scientific equation where their brain is trying to wrestle around the idea of Jesus and his resurrection. Uh, and we'll get to that, but th- that that's a barrier. And what I've loved, I we've done some sermon series, even you have on. You don't ask people to check their intelligence at the door is a quote you used one time. In fact, I think you were going to do a whole sermon, like, uh, like uh, not on it, but basically the, the name was, it was a, and it could have been a play on words, like, do we believe in dinosaurs? Like, uh, and it happened, I remember, right when that, the whole Ferguson stuff went haywire. So we had to pivot, which we often do at our church when there's pressing social issues or, Anything that's going on that impacts us outside the church, we're going to pivot and address those. So we didn't get to that sermon, but I have a lot of a lot of friends and some of the people in this audience that can't find God until they're at rock bottom and they have nothing else, and then they cling to Him because they have trouble with that equation. What do you have to say to 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 those friends and people that are listening? Well, I, I'd say a couple of things. First, I don't think it's bad to wrestle with this stuff. And I think one of the mistakes the church has made is making people feel like it's wrong to have doubts or skept- to be skeptical or to have hard questions. And instead of answering hard questions or at least trying to talk about hard questions, the church has oftentimes shut that stuff down, which I think just feeds this sense that the church is basically BS and mm-hmm. they, they don't really want to wrestle with things that I'm thinking about. And so I'd just say, first of all, it's not bad. This is this is how you actually arrive at faith, I think, is wrestling with it. Second thing I'd say to those really, like, scientific thinkers, like, that that's the way I think as well. And, you know, being a math major, as you said, and studying math and loving it, there's a, there's a logic to it all. And you want things to add up, right? You want it right. to make sense. <clears throat> but... I, I would also just point out that there's so much mystery, even in something like math or science, right? When we get to the limits of that stuff, there's a lot of mystery there that we can't quite add up. I mean, math has a whole category of math that deals with irrational numbers. I mean, the the definition is numbers that don't make any sense. Um, I often point out to math people, you know, there's as many numbers between zero and one as there are between zero and a million. Now, that's a mind bender a little bit. You know, that doesn't quite make sense. That doesn't add up, right? That there's the same. Uh, and uh, I, I think that at the limits of math is that little, uh, you know, infinity sign, which huh. we, we can't, we don't quite know what to, to, to do sometimes with that. So, and I think the same is true of physics. The same is true of biology. I mean, there, there's at the edge of all this kind of a, a sense that there's more beyond this, but we can't quite get there through reason. So, I actually appreciate reason, and I think there's more to the world than what we can see, touch, measure, and prove. Um, And then I think lastly, one of the things that I would say to people is I was converted to faith over time, and it wasn't through mental gymnastics or a proof in my head. But the way that faith converted me, the way that Jesus showed up to me was I just, I hung around it enough to see the real impact Jesus had on people's lives. And you're an example of that. And I always tell you not to blow smoke to you, but you've always been an inspiration to me as a pastor because I look at you and I see a guy who's 
life looks so different that there has to be a God. I mean, I, this is not to be mean, but you know, I knew you when you were not sober. Right. I loved you then, and I, you came to church every once in a while, sat in the balcony, and um, God, you would make eye contact with me up there. I remember that you would look at me, and I knew what you. I could read your bubble. If anybody <laughs> would have said back then, "Hey, that guy," you know is going to get sober, become not just the leader in his church, but start impacting other guys that he used to sit next to on the bar and drink with or fight with or whatever, that he would um, speak hope and encouragement in the lives of thousands of people through a podcast. People would have said, I was not. I mean, people who knew you thought you'd be dead in 18 months, mm-hmm. if that. Yeah. And so I think that to watch the transformation happen, um, and I've gotten to see that, you know, over and over and over again, there's something, you know, there's something real about faith. And I would just say to people, you don't have to be converted all at once, but sometimes it's just hanging around it and watching it. And you can be skeptical even, mm-hmm. but, but try a church, a healthy one, not a weird dysfunctional one, but a healthy one. Try a church, try faith. I mean, Jesus invited people to just follow him for a while. Not to not to believe everything all at once, but just follow and just see what happens. I mean, come and see was one of his invitations. So that's always my invitation to skeptical people is just come and see. And, and, and see for yourself if you don't believe there's something here uh, that's true. And so uh, I, I, think, I think if people do that, if they give it a, a chance, then they begin to, to maybe wonder if maybe there's more to the world and to their life than what they first thought. And I would just add really quickly before I stop talking, um, we have faith in all sorts of things if we really pay attention to it. I mean, we believe in all sorts of things that aren't rational, that don't add up. I mean, uh, drugs and alcohol being one of them, right? Yeah, or, absolutely. And, and I, you know, overworking being one of them. The thought that more money means more happiness being one of them. These things have been proven over and over and over again to not lead to happiness or joy, and yet we do them. Why? Uh, you know, there's all sorts of things that we do uh, that, that don't add up. And so I think if we take that same kind of faith that we have sometimes in money or sex or drugs or alcohol and try putting it in something else, it actually leads us to a better place. I mean, I, 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 I thank you because I, <clears throat> it's, I don't articulate it well enough <clears throat> to to my friends, uh, my people that are listening, and 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 I always worry that they they feel I'm trying to s- to sell it. And I thought about this uh, in in the Jesus stuff on my end, like when we had a, a girl named Megan on who talked about her like brutal alcoholism. I don't think there's another way to say it. And she's now two years sober, and she came on with Jeff and I. And the way she says she promotes her sobriety, and she she's a strong she's a believer, and she's given it over to God because at some point when you're at rock bottom, you just can't do it on your own. But she said it's um, attraction rather than promotion. And I thought I, when she said that, and it happened, we happened to be recording at you know your your church. Um, I it clicked with me because that's you know I don't want to go out and, and door knock and sell it but I with so with my friends in everyday conversation they know what's got me here and the reason I bring that up is because a lot of people that I work with uh confidentially or you know and that try to be anonymous about it but the people that reach out and need help I I tell them well there's I uh, you know I don't not a master's degree from WashU um psychotherapist or any of this stuff but i've walked your walk and this is what got me this is what helped me so if you want to keep trying it your way that's fine but if you give my way a chance i I think you you increase your your chances to succeed and it i I, so i i finally tell him i go and i'm not hiding it god the grace of god got me sober i I tell people often when I checked into rehab, I had this, a screaming match with Jesus. Um, I say I lost, but I, I think I won in the uh, he he helped me win in the long run because it was then when I said I'm I'm done, and I always knew I had a home at your church um, because I was always a, a 
attracted to your church. I would go. I loved your message, but more importantly, I loved the way you were greeted at the door and how all are welcome at, at your church, no matter what, um, you know, and that's, I, I just, I get so in line with how Jesus preached in his, you know, how many of her years ago. So I felt at home, uh, you and I instantly kind of bonded and, um, and then through the death of my father and then six months after that when Ali died I, I you know, we we spent time a lot of time together in that pick you and I was like this is a guy that walks the walk and I'm not going to trash other churches um, you probably don't want me to do that even though it's very tempting but <laughs> there's some there's some churches out there that are that are that treat this Jesus thing like it's an exclusive treehouse and you got to check off some boxes and it it pisses me off um, more colorfully than it, like, because I, you know what I mean? It fires me up, and I know it fires you up. Go ahead. Well, I, no, I mean, I was going to say, I think, you know, to your earlier point about promotion, I, I always put it this way. Like, for me, um, Jesus has changed my life. I've seen Jesus change the lives of a lot of people. And so for me, it's just a, a, a kind of a constant, persistent invitation. People in my mm-hmm. life always know they have an invitation. And from time to time, I just voice it. Hey, if you, if you want to try this out with me, uh, just come and come and see. You know, I'm not asking you to believe anything, give up anything, do anything. Just, just come and see. And I think that as Christians, we shouldn't be silent about our faith and we shouldn't push it on other people, but it should just be like an open seat at our dinner table. Hey, if you just need a place to come, if you want a place to sit down, if you need a place to belong and just to be welcomed, just come. And the invitation is there. And every once in a while we should voice it. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I always see faith is a persistent invitation. And I've, you know, and, and, you know, to your story, right? I invited you a lot. You know, early yes, you on. did. That's what I was thinking. And you, you came every once in a while, and, and I invited you in the wake of your father's death to consider a, a couple options in your life, and you kind of chose one. And, and I invited you as you were choosing that to, hey, if, when you're ready or if you're ever ready to try something different. And then when you decided to get sober, I invited you. And so it was a pers- there was a persistence there to the invitation, but I think always done in love, never done with pressure or promotion. And... um and it took a while. It took a few, you know, few years in your case, but you decided to give it a try at some point. And I think there are people out there that have been turned off in the past to the kind of churches you're talking about. And those are real, man. I don't I have so many people. I often say the worst enemy uh, of the church is the church. Mm-hmm. My biggest obstacle to doing what I do is people's past bad experiences of church, you yeah. know? I got to undo a lot of that, a lot of the damage and dysfunction of churches that, hey, you're welcome, not really. Right. Or, hey, come on in. Well, now here comes the judgment. Or, hey, as long as your life's squeaky clean, you're welcome here. But as soon as you screw up and we're all going to, you know, do one of these and you need to go until you get it right. So uh, I get all, I, I really do. I understand all that. And uh, there are churches that do that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's not Jesus. That's us screwing up what Jesus wants us to do, I think. And that's not the the gathering. You're, uh, if, I always say, if you let me in, you'll let anybody in. That's true. I, <laughs> we do, right? I mean, I always say to people, I, I really don't, it's not, hey, people who come in our church, we have people who come that have lived great lives and have lived messy lives, messier than yours. Uh, we have mm-hmm. people who come who have think they have it all figured out, don't know what they're doing at all. We have people who went to bed on time last night and people who stayed up all night, not only Saturday night, but Friday night and Thursday night. We have people, all sorts of people, skeptical and believers, and I want them all to come. I think that's what makes the church the church. And uh, when I preach, I don't try to preach at people. I try to invite them to see in Jesus something that I think could be powerful and relevant to the stuff that we wrestle with under the surface. And this is just one more place to maybe find uh, what we're looking for. And, and I think for a lot of people, when they give it a chance, it actually, uh, they find that it changes their life. I I mean, it's completely transformed my life. And it's so parallel 
to the Easter story, in fact, even the season, when I decided to get sober. You referenced uh, something you sent me um, the after my father died, and I, I, was, I actually have it pulled up, and I was going to read what you wrote, if, uh, if you don't mind. Is that okay? As long as you, it's, it's to you, so it's yours to share. Yeah. Can you guys still see me? I don't get the Zoom technology stuff. I'm always four years behind on technology, but I've got this pulled up. Can you guys still see my beautiful face? Yep. Yeah, for sure. All right. Looks great. So on on May 13th, my father passed away on May 12th of 2012, and and I've often shared on the podcast, it was my, uh, my, my, my end of my world. The sun went out. I had placed all my eggs in his basket, and that it was all over for me. In fact, there were many people that said when Tom died, it's only a matter of time. Um, he is not going to be able to survive this. I was on that list of thinking, no way, and in fact, tried to drink myself to death, literally. So, so I just didn't really care to wake up. I wanted to be in heaven with Tom, which I was certain that he was going there. Um, I... I was certain he had some explaining to do sure or however that goes but i think he would maybe grease his way in a little bit but <laughs> i was hoping he was there anyway um matt you sent me uh, a note on may 13th and then I, I i replied back to you um not sure why god puts this much hurt in someone's heart i sure hope he'll give me the strength to get through today which was the funeral day on the 17th i replied and I said Psalm 23, eh? Uh, I guess that's probably the only scripture I knew at the time. Um, and Matt, you replied to me, and I still have the letter. I keep it with me. I, I've talked with the, talked about it to, to Ashley, my wife, and, and my mom's aware of it, and some other people. But uh, And I kept it with me because I, I was just beginning my descend to even a deeper rock bottom um, as you wrote this and what you wrote. I'm going to read right now. It said, I'm sorry, Chris, you will get through today. I do not want to write a bunch of platitudes to you, know, to you as I know that that will ultimately not be helpful. I'll just say that the darkest moment is not the final moment. There will be a next chapter for you and for your dad. Then you, you wrote, you left me with two psalms. I'm not going to read the whole psalms. I think um, it but I will read, and then after you posted, it, I'll tell you what psalms they are. Psalm 30 um, and Psalm 40. So I, I, I recommend you guys checking those out. But uh, then you closed with this. You said, I'll go out on a limb and offer one thing that I have seen a lot when this happens and from personal experience. This will be a defining moment for you. It can change you in a powerful, positive way that you will look back on proudly and that would make your dad proud. Or it can be an excuse to fuck up the next 10 years or more of your life in anger and grief. The enemy will pull you toward the second, God toward the first. Don't choose the second. If you ever want to talk about this, you know I'm always here. I hope this doesn't come off as a lecture from a pastor, just some thoughts from a friend who has been in the pit. Matt. I, uh... I get I, sorry. It's hard to read sometimes because it takes me back to those days, and uh, but I hang on to them, and I'm, I'm so grateful for your words. And and I sure did try the 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 second, right? I think it was 22 months until I until I checked into rehab, and 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 you and I have talked about that. And I uh, just recently, because I checked into rehab, it was March 25th. So Easter season, you know, it's right in the middle of it. Um, for those of you, it's between Mardi Gras and Easter, okay? Ash Wednesday is the Wednesday after Mardi Gras. Um, and then, you know, Easter Sunday. So those 40 days? 46? 47? Yeah. Yeah. Hey. You got it. Look at this. Another check mark down there, okay? Um, that's when... That's the season. So when I when I checked in and I I got out, it was right around Easter. And I remember you. I volunteered to par- help par- parking team on on that first Easter out of out of rehab. But before I just recently, I got a Facebook memory from 2013 when I was deep deep in it, and it was me from your balcony at, at the McCausland site 
and I took a picture and I was like, and I, my caption of the picture was like, preach, I'm hungover, but I'm here. Preach on Matt. Or something. <laughs> and those were the days that Matt would look at and glare at me up in the balcony and in a good way. Like I'm here. I got your back. We need to get to work soon. Like that's kind of the message that I received from you. And, um, and then, f- so that first Easter out sober, I, I volunteered, worked, uh, the parking lot and, and immediately you introduced me to another pastor at our church, um, Matt Fulmer, who, uh, had me join his small group on Tuesday nights, which became my surrogate AA meeting group with a bunch of people, not necessarily in recovery. It was just people that were, were seeking God and growing for faith. And it was my accountability. They, people that held, hold me accountable. Well, fast forward to my one year sober birthday, I guess if you want to call it. Um, it was a week before Easter, and uh, I had a I had a party for where I had an open bar tab at the tavern I grew up at in Illinois, Southern Illinois Belleville, called Fridays. I've talked about it often on the show. It was my old church, uh, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Still a great place. Can't wait till they reopen. Um, praying for those guys who uh, have had to s- shut the business down during this. Uh, corona stuff so I invite I had a party I wanted to it was my way of giving back to all the people that I had probably pissed off in my 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 drunk ass ways and um, and I so I bought pizza and drinks and I I think and, and, and I had to run to farmers market to pick up some like pick some vegetables up for the for the tavern to, to make the salad and I walk in with this box of like green peppers and there's Matt sitting on on a, a bar, sitting at a bar table in this pub, typing away at a laptop, which I find out later is his Easter sermon for the <laughs> for the week uh, the the sermon in a week or two, and um, I'll never forget that day. I have pictures, uh, and I, and I remember you talked about it on on the stage at Easter. I believe we were still at um, Powell Symphony Hall, and you you were like. I was just at a Easter party. Here's this guy who's one year sober introducing to me to guys he got in fights with. <laughs> it was, uh, and the reason I bring that up because your message that Sunday was the power of the resurrection of, of Jesus and what it can symbolize in your own life. And and I wanted you to talk as I get I ramble and get long winded here about it's not just me that you've seen. Um, what the power of the, the story of Easter can do for people um, as we approach, as we're entering Holy Week? Yeah. Well, I'll say just a couple things to your listeners. Uh, you know, one is kind of where you started by reading that note that I sent you. And I think that note, um, thank you for reading it. It makes me tear up a little bit thinking back on it because I, uh, you know, when I wrote it, and I think people will resonate with this, you had every reason to screw up your life. Like, if you needed a justification to tell yourself about why you were drinking too much, doing stupid things, you could always go back to the death of your dad, right? You had you had that was kind of your card to play. If, you know, is you don't understand what, I, what I've been through, and this is my reason. And I think a lot of people who are listening right now and maybe who are uh, struggling with addiction – we always have those reasons, right? We, we, nobody understands the kind of hurt that we're experiencing and the kind of pain. There's always something there, and it drives uh, a, just, a certain kind of justification for the lives we're living. But the, the, the end game of that is always the same. You know, the enemy, if you believe in a spiritual enemy, just uses all that to drag us further down. I mean, the, the road to redemption, to coming back, to overcoming to victory is never through the next drink or the next hit or whatever. It's, it's, it's only meant to drag us down. And so what I always tell people is, man, I am not at all downplaying your pain or the reason that you have to do what you do. I think there's probably really good justifications out there. Uh, but it will not... It will not land your life. It, it'll land your life um, in the tomb. I mean, that's where it, that's where it ends always. You can also use 
the, that hurt and that pain in your life for something different. The religious word we use is, re, it can be redemptive. Um, the resurrection of Jesus was literally the defeat of death. And to bring out of death, out of darkness, out of a tomb, something new, something hopeful, something uh, living. And God right now can reach into, I mean, a lot of people listening feel like their, their life has already been decided, uh, mm-hmm. that, that their story is what it is. You know, all the pain you can't undo, all the crap they've done, and where they are right now. But that, that all actually can be the most powerful part of your story if you turn it over to God and let God do something new with it, let God resurrect it, let God redeem it, that is, buy it back and turn it into something. We've seen that in your life. Now your story, all that, all the ways in which you screwed up, all the pain that you've been through, the death of your father, these are things that God now is using in a way that's hopeful, in a way that offers life to other people, Not it's not death-dealing. And that's what God can do with the life of every single person who's listening. Um, if you just give up that path that says, I have an excuse to do this, you don't understand, I'm going to do it anyway, this is what I want to do, I get all that. Um, but if you hand that over and let God do something different with the pain, we're not denying it, let God do something different with it, it can actually be your uh, your strongest attribute and the the most hopeful thing you have to offer the world. And I think that's the power of Easter. It's, it's, it's that not just that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, which I believe he, he was, but that Jesus resurrects us from the dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, dead parts of our life, things that we thought were in the grave and over, stuff that we thought we'd never want to revisit because it's embarrassing, shameful, tragic, uh, harmful. Like Jesus is able to take all this stuff and say, no, 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 this is who you are, but watch. I'm going to, not only can I heal you, but I can, I can help you to use this stuff to actually offer life to other people. And, man, that is such a powerful thing. For some of the people listening right now, every stupid thing you've done and every horrible thing that somebody's done to you, uh, every bad decision you've made and every time that you wish you could do it over, um, all that, uh, you don't have to hide from it anymore. You don't have to keep it in the closet or anything you can actually kind of put that out there and sit on a stage with 3,000 people listening and share it with them because God is able to do this kind of stuff. God can take that stuff and actually use it to offer encouragement in life. So I get passionate about Easter, not because it's a story that happened 2,000 years ago where Jesus rose from the dead. I get passionate about it because uh, Jesus can do that in our lives, can raise dead things and bring them to life. And so that was a sermon. I didn't mean to do that. I know I'm a preacher, so <laughs> no, you're good. Please, but I just I get I get excited about it because um, if there are people listening that feel like their life has been decided, it hasn't. There's a chapter that hasn't been written yet, and they get to decide what that chapter is. And I don't care how deep down you are, how old you are how many decades of mistakes you think you've made. Um, there's a new chapter. There's another chapter. And uh, God can start writing it, you know, today. So that's what excites me. I um, I can only imagine the being in your position. How long have you been at the gathering? When did you start the gathering? Tell I started the gathering about 13 and a half years ago. So in those 13 and a half years... Um, You've often shared this with church. It started with a group of a, like a small group of people in your basement. Yeah, yeah. And now we're with this year. Where you tell Easter? You we well, do. We, yeah. Yeah. Well, we were gonna do. It did start started with just a small group hanging out in my living room. Um, this year we're gonna do Easter in a new place. We were gonna do it at Chaffetz Arena, right. St. Louis University. Um, obviously that's not going to happen because of coronavirus, we'll, but we're still going to do Easter. It's just all going to be online. And uh, while it's not the same, I'd love to see everybody in person. The cool thing about Easter this year is you can invite anybody, anywhere, wherever they live, uh, however able they are to get out or have to stay in. And so I have a suspicion this may be our biggest Easter ever because we're still going to do it. And I think a lot of people right now 
uh, feel like they're living in kind of a dark place. Absolutely. Whether it's because of coronavirus and everything, the anxiety of, about jobs and money and health, or just <clears throat> coronavirus aside, people living in darkness because of addiction or stress or anxiety or trauma or hurt. I mean, any of that kind of stuff. Um, I think there's so many of us that are kind of in a dark place right now and we need Easter more than ever. That, that idea that God doesn't wait till all that's over, but God is at work right now in the dark. You, mm. you can't see it, but God's at work right now to, to, to start writing a new chapter for us. I think, it, I think we need that message now more than ever. So we'll be doing it. It's just all going to be online now. Yeah, we'll definitely, uh, with the show notes and stuff, invite, show you guys how to participate and, and, and jump on Sunday morning. Um, and especially, Matt, for the lonely, you know, the lonely fucking people out there, brother, that are that are maybe in this isolation alone by themselves, and uh, and they battled that before. They were they were struggling with loneliness before this, and now it's kind of weird. It's a real ugly head. Um, those folks too, uh, yeah, which is usually where a lot of us that are, you know, I was lonely when I was uh, living out of a whiskey bottle because I missed someone. It, it doesn't necessarily look like you not having anybody in your life. It could just be a state of mind, and, and I know people are out there having it. And then there's people that literally, who maybe there's a smaller family that's passed away, or they're 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 single and, and um, sitting at home, and it's just them. And that's a it's a brutal reality. Um, so so tune in. And, hey Chris, can I say one more? Can I say one more thing? Because as much as you want, brother. I. You know, I'm just mindful as I'm talking. You started out this the podcast by saying something about you had a. I mean, there's people that you know that have died because of a addiction, and someone recently, I think you said, two people, um, yeah, died by suicide, maybe even. Um, yeah. And I've had friends as well, as you know. Someone as recently as just this winter, you know, in February, had did a funeral for a young man in our church lived in Illinois who uh, OD'd and I want to say something really quickly because I think as I talk about this there may be some people and some family members listening who said you know but that wasn't true for my daughter or my son they didn't come back there wasn't a new chapter uh, they died or they OD'd or they, they took um, they they took their own life and I think there's some people who might be saying, uh, yeah, it sounds good, that, that hope, that that new day for some people, but it, it wasn't true for my, for my loved one. And I just want to say something to that because, you know, when we talk about Easter, it's not just a, a thing that happens in this life. I mean, ultimately what we believe is that God's power is more powerful than anything on earth that... Uh, that tries to take us down. And sometimes in this life, oftentimes in this life through Jesus, we're able to begin living a new life right now. Mm -hmm. You're an example of that. Mm -hmm. You were yeah. saved and uh, literally, I mean saved, Not, I'm not talking like religious BS. I mean right. literally no. saved. Literally. And you started living new life right now. There are some people that don't get to start that new life until after they die. Because the struggle of addiction, the demon of addiction, or uh, of stress, or trauma, or anxiety, or depression, or mental uh, health, or illness, uh, they just, they don't ever quite overcome it in this life. But the power of the resurrection is that we believe that God has the power to break those chains. And if they don't get to experience that new life here, they get to experience it um, for, for eternity after death. And so I just want to say one of the mistakes and, and one of my biggest uh, concerns is that people think that because their loved one didn't beat it or didn't overcome depression or didn't uh, beat the addiction in this life, that somehow they're doomed in the next. And, you know, God, the power of the resurrection is also that Christ uh, takes all of us who will die and is able to give us a life on the other side of death. And so I just want to say that if your loved one was not able to overcome it in this life, 
then we rejoice, I'll use a religious word there, that they're finally free from that. They're free from the depression or free from the addiction or free free to be who God created them to be um, in the life after. And so that's a hope that we hold on to. And I just want to share it with all those who might be listening, saying, well, what about the person that I love who didn't get to experience yeah. it here? I'm, I'm glad, glad you addressed, addressed that. that. That's... that's, that's uh, uh, that's uh, often <clears throat> people, people, yeah, I mean, that's, what about my son? What about my daughter? You know, and <clears throat> we're grieving with you. There's no question about it. Um, and and <clears throat> the story is, <clears throat> sorry, I'm a little choked up. That <clears throat> story and promise that will be again is what <clears throat> keeps me going to get I mean I to be back with with Tommy P you know my old man TP like and it, and he wasn't just a dad every we, we all lose our grandparents and our parents and there was the the, the means that he passed away were, were pretty brutal and um, I was uh, maybe unhealthily and, and unwisely had all my eggs placed in his basket so I under so that's it, the grief hurt, and it, I'm not downplaying anybody else's grief or overplaying my own. It's just I get I, I was one of those people. What about you know? What about my fatherhood? You know, and I'm driven, knowing, and I often smiling that it's we'll we'll be together again, and he's happy and holy and well, somewhat holy. I know he's happy. <laughs> work, <laughs> we work in the work in the room up in uh, up in heaven, and and I know that for those that have lost their loved ones so it's so are they and and you're right we it's and it's going to happen more i think unfortunately during this epidemic which is why jeff and i are at the top of a hill like trying to scream like that you're you're able there's a way if you want to try it um before things get really dark and 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 bringing up the the years you've been doing this right the 13 and a half at least at the gathering and Prior to that, you were a pastor at a different church, right? Um, I was, yeah. You've seen probably countless stories of, like when you were preaching the, the good news of Easter, right? And and people sometimes hear that from their, they'll go to church once a year, it's on Easter, and, and they probably hear that a lot. They hear the good news of Easter probably from a lot of different pastors. But what 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 I love about your message is you always put it, you you put a face and a name to that story to the to the Easter story every year, or faces and names to where it's not just bullshit. This is you've seen it countless times. Both the the I'm sure been the, the tragic times and funerals you've had to to minister over and the families you've had to to pastor over while they're in their darkest darkest grief. Um, but you've also seen the the power of the resurrection in someone's life. Um, mine and countless others i imagine and and in your ministry or years of doing this so it's not just a bible study like take the test and answer the easter res what is easter about like this is real life real people are uh, and you've seen it and you're that's why you come back and keep screaming it i imagine and it's uh, you've seen it a ton yeah, I, you know, I have in all sorts of ways, large and small, and people don't have to have been, you know, doing awful things and then get, you know, and then have a, a huge conversion. That happens, and that's awesome. We celebrate that. But there's also all sorts of small ways. People who've been living for the wrong kinds of things, people put too much uh, of their hope in money or in success or in the square footage of their house or in what their family, having the perfect family and have figured out that in some ways, all those things are mini addictions, right? We we're looking for ultimate meaning and something that can never provide it. I see the way in which they, they, they change and God does so much more with their life than they ever thought God could or would. And uh, it's cool every time I see it. And so I do. I love I love preaching it. You know, there's a little story that Jesus tells uh, about the parable of, you know, a, so, uh, a farmer who goes out and, you know, throws seed on the ground. And 
some of the seed falls in the rocks, he says. Some falls on the hard path it can't penetrate. Some goes among the weeds and it gets choked out. But some goes in good soil and it actually grows. And I kind of see myself similar on Easter. Like, I, I put it out there year after year. And some people are in a place where, you know, it's just a hard, you know, a hard heart. And they're not listening, man. Someone drug them there to to church and they don't want to be there. I was there. The pageant. <laughs> and, you know, some, like, they want they want to receive it. They do. But there's just so much stuff going on in their life that pretty quickly it, life goes right back to normal. And, and, and there are some people that hear it, like the seed that falls in the rocks, and enthusiastically they're all in, and then it kind of fizzles away because they don't really ever grow roots with it. But every year there are some people that are ready where the soil of their heart is ready for something new to be planted there. And when the message hits your life at a time when you're ready, that's when really cool things happen. And so I always say at Easter, it's partly, it's partly me uh, sharing the message, but it's also partly each of you deciding what's the state of my heart this year? Am I ready for something new and different in my life? Or am I still maintaining my old defenses and justification? And so is there like a readiness in you? What kind of soil are you? And uh, when those two things meet, when you're ready, when there's a readiness and an openness at least, and then the message hits, that's when really cool things can happen. And that's not me or you. That's obviously and ultimately God. Uh, but I, I always tell people, uh, you know, how you show up this Easter also matters. So a question each person can kind of ask themselves as they're sitting here, wherever they are in life, is kind of, am I ready for something different? Have I tried it my way long enough? Or have I tried to do my thing long enough? Am I ready maybe uh, for something different? Is there a readiness? And uh, that's when Easter can be the most powerful. I um, I can attest to that. And uh, <clears throat> and we'll wrap up here shortly. But I, I know you got a casserole or something in the oven you mentioned. But um, I, that, I was at Easter a couple years ago. Um, living a different life, even with my father before he tragically passed away, we we would go and great message and we're you know let's get home to the to the ham and the potato salad and you know a couple cocktails in the after reason to have a fun Sunday right, um, and being around some of my family you got to have a couple cocktails but <laughs> like H but it's excuse for everyone probably <laughs> but there was a the, the year that I was newly sober that first Easter, like two weeks maybe. And I, you know, it, that's your, that's your like cradle. like an egg thing. Right. And the Easter message stuck to me that year. Um, and now I'm six years sober. Um, I met my, my wife in your church, um, proposed to her at, on the steps of the church site that we go to, um, of lifelong like friends from a 70 plus year old woman down to you know kids that help in the kid ministry um your kids have been family to us um i still were trying to figure out how to sabotage this whole uh pastor going to kansas city thing but uh we'll figure that out off 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 air off topic um (laughs) That's been a tough pill to swallow because we love Evie to death. But, um, like, the things that have happened to to, to me because I was ready to for that those seeds to grow. And I'm sure Jeff could attest to this, too. He isn't, you know, he's Mr. Talky today. but um, <laughs> And he's not wearing his Pondoff's Anonymous hat. So if I Sorry. paid him, if I paid him, I'd fine him. But he's, he's not, you know, <laughs> right? Um, the, the, our, my life's been transformed. Um by letting that grow because I tried it my way and my way almost killed me. And, um, it's, it's, I to just sit here and like reflect on that, uh, which isn't probably good podcasting because it's just me and thought, like, it's just crazy to think about. It's absolutely crazy to think about that. Like even looking back at my wife's trajectory from LA to land into your church, because you got, you had a welcoming church, like, and it's, it's unbelievable. And, and and I'll I'll close my my long winded ramble 
uh, with, and I shared this on our mutual friend, uh, Laura Susick's show, praying for her right now. She's going through uh, some rough times. Um, but I shared with her that, and I, and I, and I, got this really i mean from your messages and my life that the like through jesus like the impossible is possible which is isn't that the story of easter and that there's a lot of people right now thinking that it's impossible for them to change and and it's not and i'm telling you that from the loudest i can scream it with as many fucking swear words as i can say that is bullshit and I'm a living proof of it, and and with with Jesus, the impossible is possible. Yeah. Well, amen to that. And uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I just want to tell people that are listening, and uh, you are stronger than you think you are. Uh, I think one of the things addiction can do to you is make you think that you can't, and you can, um, not by yourself, but. <laughs> but you can. Uh, I think addiction makes you think it's over when it's not. There's something new. I think addiction makes you think it's impossible when indeed it's possible. So I love that as a place to leave it. And, uh, you know, I love you. And I still think there's so much more that God's going to continue to do with you. I've always told you that. And I think the podcast is proof that uh, there's more and more and more that God's got in store for you. So don't ever underestimate you know, what God can do with your story, because uh, God can do, as Paul says, far greater than anything we can ask for or imagine. And uh, so I love you, man. I'm glad that you had me on and keep doing what you're doing. Curse words and all. Just I appreciate it. Be thoughtful. Thanks, man. Hey, um, I, I, I appreciate it. And um, that's this has been great. So thanks for coming on. It's been our pleasure. Have you guys been hearing how people have been hacking into Zoom? Yes. Like flashing porn up. And that would be the worst episode, right? That our Zoom with our pastor got on and somebody started flashing like dirty pictures or drawing like genitalia (laughs) on. So we we avoided that. That's a win. Um, I I guess Zoom needs to work on their security measures from what I read, but so far uh, unaffected. But um, I I would like to close, Matt, if you don't mind, with uh, can you. I mean, can you pray for our listeners, for our audience, the people that are, are listening to this, that, that, cause a lot of them either is struggling or know somebody that is. And, um, and they could, and we all could use as, as many prayers as we can get. You bet. Let's pray. Uh, Holy God. First, I, we give you thanks that when we can't, you can, when we don't, you do, when we're in darkness, you lead us to light. Um, when we are in death, you uh, come with life and that you are more powerful than anything uh, that we wrestle with in this life. And that was made real when Jesus conquered the greatest enemy of all, which is death. And, and if Jesus can conquer death, then Jesus can do anything in our life. And God, my prayer is that wherever we are right now as we're listening to this, that, that we may uh, believe that that we may believe that whatever hole we feel like we're in, whatever rock bottom we maybe feel like we are uh, experiencing, however dark it may seem, that you are not somewhere else, but you're right here with us. And you are doing a work right now, even though we can't see it. And my prayer is that your spirit would just give us enough trust to maybe hold on to that and to begin to reach out towards you to trust that the life that you call us to live is going to be better than the one that we are that we're trying to make for ourselves and so God that's my prayer is that we would lean a little more on you and a little less on us and that because of that you would lead us towards life Uh, a life here and that life to come. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Matt. I love you. Have a great day, brother. We'll see you tomorrow, and uh, we'll see all you guys at uh, Easter. Tune in. We'll put all the links on the the show notes, and it's called The Gathering Now in St. Louis, or The Gathering. Jeff, what's the website? 
if they can go to gatheringnow.org, .org. So gatheringnow.org will have worship live on Easter and every Sunday. Um, they can also go find us on Facebook, Gathering Now on Facebook. It'll run as Facebook Live, worship, and YouTube, right, Jeff? The, it's on YouTube, YouTube as yeah. well. Yeah. Right. Well, um, it's a. It can still be a uh, rejoiceful time. Um, please know that, and please believe that. And and Matt, thanks again. Yep. Thanks, guys. I'm not. I'm not going to say let us pray because that's how you pray, right there. <laughs> See you guys. If you're struggling or know someone that is, please, please have them check out our podcast and reach out to Chris or me. We want to listen, and we're super eager to help. Pondoff's Anonymous is Chris Pondoff and produced by me, Jeff Allen. Our music is Antihero by McCall and Gentle Waters by Wild Wonder. For more information, visit pondoffsanonymous.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram.